This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello, I'm your host Paul Wheelock and welcome to the Behind Enemy Lines podcast on the Blood Red channel. The podcast where we get the lowdown on Liverpool's next opponents, who this weekend just happen to be struggling Fulham. They've lost six on the bounce and look certain to make an immediate return to the Championship. But as the special guest of this podcast explains, the mood in the fan base and in the squad has changed since Claudio Ranieri was sacked and Scott Parker was placed in temporary charge. Ryan O'Donovan covers Fulham for the Football.London website and he also talks Ryan Sessegnon's first season in the Premier League, his chances of leaving Craven Cottage in the summer and why Anfield could be the perfect destination if he does. We also discuss former Liverpool targets Jean-Michel Seri and former Liverpool winger Ryan Babel and the approach Fulham will take in Sunday's game. Thanks for joining me and we'll be back after the match with the post-game podcast. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Well, hi, Ryan. Thank you very much for joining me on this podcast to talk all things Fulham before their game with Liverpool at Craven Cottage on Sunday. Are you doing okay, mate? Yeah, I'm doing well, thanks. How are you? Yeah, not bad. Not bad. We're all uh, here waiting for the Champions League draw. Uh, but, but come Sunday, uh, we're speaking about the game in the Premier League. And I know when we last spoke in November, Liverpool ran out 2-0 winners at Anfield. Uh, and before that match, there was a lot of speculation around the future of Slavisa Jakanovic. And within a few days, he was sacked. You know, Looking back now, was that the right decision, do you think? Um, I think Fulham fans are still pretty split on whether or not sacking Djokanovic was the right decision, especially with what happened with Claudio Ranieri after that. You know, that Liverpool game, I, I've always said that it looked like that was the time when Djokanovic finally knew what his best eleven was because the previous games before that, he was always swapping and changing. But that game was the best they'd played under him in the Premier League. And, you know, if that Mitrovic goal had gone in at Anfield, who, who knows what could have happened, but... They sacked him off that. The decision had already been made by the sounds of it after that Huddersfield game. You know, they were speaking to to people in the week leading up to that Liverpool game. So I think the, 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 his future was already set. But Fulham fans are still divided on it. You know, some think Djokanovic would have done a better job of trying to get them out of the trouble they were in than Ranieri did. Whereas others think, you know, the club made the wrong decision and they should have sacked Djokanovic sooner. So it is still split, but it's all if spots and maybes for Fulham now because... The fans know this, this, this. It's more than just the managers. The season's been so bad on so many levels that it's more than just the manager that that's caused it. So I think now they've got Scott Parker. They're not too concerned about whether or not sacking him was the right thing to do because the problems are still there. Of course, we'll come on to Scott Parker in a moment because I, I do remember that game that you were talking about then. Like Fulham had chances, didn't they? There was the Mitrovic goal that wasn't given. Uh, and I, I remember coming away from that game thinking, well, Fulham would play like that. They've got a chance. And I had a look earlier and they, only the gap to safety then was three points. And obviously it's got bigger since then. I think when Ranieri went a couple of weeks ago, it was up to seven. Is it fair to say that Ranieri actually made things worse? It's a weird one because every stat says that Ranieri made Fulham better. He made them defensively more stable you know they, they conceded less and all that kind of stuff but if you look at it as a more rounded picture without taking with, with the stats but taking the stats with what you could actually see on the pitch you know I, he, he played a defensive style of football that none of Fulham's players were really used to or really you know catered for so you have the likes of Tom Kearney and Mitrovic in there that flourished under that passing style that Djokanovic had and then Ranieri came in and wanted everyone to defend and pump long balls forward so while the stats say yeah they conceded marginally less goals under him and you know their chances created were marginally better if you look at it with your eyes you probably would say they were worse because the style just didn't suit the players they had you know Mitrovic was being used as 
as a as a target man for for long balls. Whereas under under Stjanovic, it was all guy into his feet and people could play off him. So I just don't think he I don't think he's his style suited what Fulham had, and that's the reason why they they lost. And I think I think as well, you know, that there, there's no. There wasn't any stability with the side, you know. Consistency was so bad. They'd win one game and then lose the next three. There was never that consistency there. And I don't know whether that was because of Granieri's negative style. You know, he'd he'd win against Brighton. They'd come back and score four goals in one half playing attacking football. But the next game, he'd go back to five at the back. So, yeah, I, I think in the main, it, it's Granieri's football didn't really suit the attacking players Fulham had and Fulham have bought over the last few seasons. Yeah, his, his legacy obviously always be that incredible title victory with Leicester City and to non-Leicester fans, he'll always uh, have a lot of favour given what he did there. But, you know, I follow you on Twitter. I, I know Fulham fans, I follow other people associated with the club. And I think it was fair to say that a lot of people were happy to see him go, weren't they? Even though he'd only been there, you know, a matter of months. Yeah, absolutely. I think after a few after a few months, people started to realise that Ranieri and Fulham won a marriage made in heaven. And at that Southampton game in midweek, his last game, there was banners being out by the Fulham fans. They they spent the whole game singing against Ranieri, singing that they were going down. So I think I think they could see on the pitch that things weren't getting any better. At least under Djukanovic, in the past they had an identity. And I think that's the biggest thing. Fulham had an identity, which was, you know, that nice style of football, that attacking style and Ranieri, that was just ripped up and it was just the, the defensive long ball football. So I think fans felt they lost their identity under Ranieri. So yeah, when he got sacked, I don't think there was really a fan in Craven Cottage that would have said that he shouldn't have gone because you could just see the players weren't playing for him. The players didn't really care. He didn't seem to really care either. So, yeah, it looked like it was the best decision all round for, for everyone involved. That probably leads me on to my next question. So it sounds like the players were, were pretty happy with it. About it. I know they'd never say that publicly, but, you know, if the performances since then, I know Scott Parker's only had a couple of games in charge, but it's, would that indicate that they're, they're happy to see Ranieri go? I think so. I think you look at some of the players like Tom Kearney and, and Ryan Sessignon who weren't getting played under Ranieri. You know, Tom Kearney was being forced out onto a wide right position, which is, he's, he's, it's not his position at all. And he wasn't happy being there. And he said it quite a few times after, after games that his favourite position was always that central midfield spot. For, but for whatever reason, Ranieri never picked him there. Ryan Sessignon, he, he was the boy won the last year with his 16 goals and he played nearly every game under Djukanovic, but he wasn't even getting into the side under Ranieri. Ranieri didn't like he, the youth he went for experience. So, yeah, I think, you know, you can see, especially when Scott Parker came in, even that training session, you could see the smiles were back on people's faces. The players seemed to want seemed to want to be there. And that game against Chelsea, it, it was like that Liverpool game up at Anfield somewhat. You know, the players actually fought for the badge on their shirt. They put themselves about. It, it, it looked a completely different team, even though they were the same players. It was a completely different team from the one that played midweek against Southampton where they went a goal down and it just looked like they didn't, they didn't really care. So I think playing for Scott Parker as well, you know, he was captain at Fulham a couple of seasons ago. So a lot of the players there played under, under him as captain. And then he was there as first team coach this year. And now he's the manager. They, they all get on well with him and they feel they can talk to him. He's very, he's a very personal bloke from the few press conferences we've had. He's very personal with the press as well. He'll come round after it and shake every single person's hand in that press room. So you can see why the players have probably reacted well to him as a manager. I think the past two games you can see they definitely want to play for him especially with his future being on the line it's not just their futures now 
it's his as well. He's only caretaker boss, and a lot of them want him to get the job permanently. So now they've got that as well as playing for themselves. They're playing for for Scott Parker to get him a job permanently there next season. Yeah, so it's almost like an audition for for him. This it will probably come on to the prospects of staying in the Premier League in a minute. But however, these next eight games play play out, it, it could be big for Parker's future. Yeah, definitely. And I think the the important thing for him is that the results aren't necessarily going to be the the indicative nature of whether or not he gets this job. I think it's more the sense of how the players have reacted to him and what kind of style he's implemented on the team. I think his message in press conferences, first of all, have all been has always been about repairing the disconnect between the team and the and the fans this season, which has grown under Ranieri. And I think he if if he manages to do that and gets Fulham fans back behind their team again and gets players playing for that badge and getting you know, standing ovations at the end of games from the fans, whether they win, lose or draw. I think if he can get Fulham having an identity back again, if he loses the next seven games or whatever it is left in the season, I still think if he gets that identity back, he still has a good chance of getting the job, even if he doesn't win with Fulham this season. Let's just talk about a couple of individual players. Ryan Sessegnon, someone all football fans are really excited about. You know, he's so, so prodigiously talented, isn't he? But you said there it's been difficult. Ranieri's pulled him from the team. Is, is it just a learning curve this season for him? Or do you think the Premier League's been too much? How, how, have, you, how have you viewed this season? Um, I think you'd have to view it as a learning curve. I know with Ryan Sessegnon, he's been around for so long. People think he's so much older than he is, but he's still only 18 years old. You know, there's not many... 18-year-olds that are pulling up trees in, in the Premier League. So having only got, made made the team a couple of seasons ago and then playing championship football, this has been a massive step up for him coming into the Premier League. And I think, you know, it's taken him time to adjust to it. But as an 18-year-old, I don't think people should be worried about that too much. He's still got the most assists in the Fulham team this season, despite only being in and out of the team, especially under Ranieri. The talent's still there. But I think with, with Sessegnon, you know, he's not, he's not a player that beats beats players you know he's not a he hasn't got a bag full of tricks or stuff like that but his reading of the game is so brilliant I think in the championship defenders don't read the game as well as people in the Premier League you know like the likes of Virgil van Dijk read the game so well and it's taken Ryan Sessing on a bit of time to be able to to do what he did in the championship you know reading where the ball's going to drop reading the second phase and that kind of stuff he's taken him a bit longer to adapt to that than some people might have thought. But I don't think there's any reason to worry about him. He's still 18 years old. You know, he's still got so much future ahead of him and he is such a talented footballer. I just think this has been a big, big learning curve for him as it has been for most of the Fulham side. Definitely. I suppose it's an interesting one. If if Fulham were to go down, would they be able to keep all the Sessignon? Because, as you rightly said, he was absolutely out of this world in the Championship and he's done he's done okay, it sounds, in the Premier League. Do you think that that's uh, a problem or something that's going to have to be addressed later down the line if, if Fulham were to be relegated back to the Championship? Yeah, definitely. I think they've got a rebuilding task on their hands anyway with most of their players, but especially with Ryan Sessignon. He's only got a year left on his contract and he hasn't signed a new deal yet. So there, there is a lot of will he go, will won't he go? You know, under Ranieri, if Ranieri is going to stay, I would have said that he he'd definitely go because there, there was no way Ryan Sessignon would want to work under Ranieri in the Championship. But with Scott Parker there, there might be a an angle that you could say he he'd want to stay at Fulham and 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 keep learning under Parker. But he hasn't had the season that many were expecting. Lots of people, you know, lots of reports in the summer were quoting 50 million for him. Fulham aren't going to get that much this summer for him if they do opt to sell, especially with just a year left on his contract. But, you know, there will be a team out there, you know, at Spurs with Mauricio Pochettino or Liverpool with Jurgen Klopp that will look at Sessignon and think, 
that there is a player there. We can work with that player. Maybe not necessarily he's going to come into the team and do things straight away. But as a project, you know, I think he's probably one of the most exciting talents in, in, in the country to work with. So I do think Fulham are going to have a bit of a job on their hands in the summer of keeping hold of him, especially with that year left on his contract. No doubt Liverpool, amongst all the top clubs, would certainly be interested in Session. And we, we spoke earlier in this season about Jean-Michel Sarri because obviously he was a player who was also linked with Liverpool. Back then, it sounded like he was trying to find his feet in the Premier League. Has his, his performances picked up since then? No, he's still he's still struggling somewhat. You know, he's I think as as someone who's watched him every week, you've seen him grow into the role a bit more. And, you know, he, he divides opinions among Fulham fans. Some think he's brilliant and some think he's he's not worth the space in the team. So that there is a divide there. But having seen him, you know, you can see the quality he has on the ball and you can see that the quality in touch and the quality of pass he's got. But it's just taken him a long time to to get up to the speed of the Premier League. You know, in France, it's not as quick. It's not as as, as aggressive. And it's taken Seri a long time to, to try and get up to that. We still haven't seen the best of Seri yet. And I know there's only a couple of months left of the season, but we, we haven't seen the best of him. It, it, it's been there in, in small parts, but it's, he's not really captured the imagination like people thought he was going to do in the summer when he signed so he's, he's still getting up to speed with it he hasn't been in the side for the past two games under Parker Parker's gone for Kevin McDonald instead because he brings that leadership role to the side but you know Seri's quality is there Fulham want to keep hold of him even if they go down to the championship so it'll be interesting to see what happens with him I think there'll be a team out there that would take a punt on him in the summer but Fulham look like they want to try and keep hold of him to play in the championship so that'll be an interesting one Certainly well. I've got to ask you about a player who has played for Liverpool and is now at Fulham. It was a bit of a shock when he, he turned up at Craven Cottage in January from the Sixers, but how's Ryan Babel getting on? Um, surprisingly well. He started <laughs> off pretty well when he came in. When he, when Fulham signed him, it, it was a bit of a weird one. You know, like you said, he came from Besiktas. It's only a six-month contract. He's in his 30s now. He didn't quite hit the heights that people thought he was going to do at Liverpool. So seeing him come to Fulham, it was a bit like, well, what, why are they, what are they doing signing someone like that for a relegation fight? You know, has he got the heart for it? And for the most part, he's played pretty well. You know, he's, he's, he's fought for the shirt somewhat. He's had some good games and he's added a bit of pace to the side and a bit of directness. But sometimes you can see he drifts in and out of games, especially against Chelsea. He spent the first half really on the outskirts of the game and then, when Kepper dropped the ball, he'd already turned his back on it and was walking away from it. Whereas if he'd been a bit more alert, he probably would have had a free chance to go. So he's, he's been all right, but there's been reports in the Turkish press that he's already agreed to go to Galatasaray next year in Turkey and all that kind of stuff. So it's a, it's a weird one. I think people have been pleasantly surprised by him, but he's not been someone that was, that has put in performances that, that were going to keep the side up. Yeah, do you think he'll be starting him and Session on the wings beside either side of Mitrovic on um, Sunday? Uh, I think Ryan Barber would definitely start. I, I'm not sure about Session. He played, he started on the, in Parker's first game and then he started in the second game against Leicester, but he was put off at half time and he had a really poor first half. So it, it'll be interesting to see whether he'll pick him or not. I think he will pick him myself, but it, it depends whether he goes for the experience of Andre Schurler if he's back from his illness, which he seems to have had for about a month now. So I I think Parker will go with Ryan Sessing on myself. I think Parker likes him and knows what he can bring to the side and he knows Fulham fans get on board with him too. As we're speaking, I think Fulham are 13 points adrift to safety. Is there a feeling that the fate's been sealed or is there still hope going into Sunday's game that he could pull off a bit of a miracle and survive? I, I think 
99% of people associated with Fulham know that the season's pretty much done and dusted now. If they had any sort of form that said once they won, they could win a few more games, people might see it a bit differently, but they, they've they never been able to build on wins and, and that kind of stuff. And with Scott Parker, it's more having having a rebuilding process start now as opposed to in the summer. So no, I, I don't think anyone really associated with the club expects them to be able to get out of the mess they've got themselves in. Parker speaks about carrying on until it's mathematically impossible for them to stay up. But I think he knows full well it, it, it's basically mission impossible. So how do you think that uh, affects Fulham, I should say, and how they'll play on Sunday? Will they be cagey, you know, because they think like, oh, we've got to try and get a point? Or will they be relaxed and thinking, well, it's it's more or less out of our hands now. Might as well go and play with some freedom. Yeah, I think it'll be the more relaxed sense. You know, they, they know no one expects them to get anything from Liverpool, even if they were fighting for their lives with a few points to uh, safety zones they knew they still know people never expect them to get anything against Liverpool so I think they can go out on, on Sunday and play with a bit of freedom a bit of creative freedom and so long as they put in a performance that the fans are pleased with you know so long as they I think they know so long as the fans can see they're putting in the effort even if they get 4 or 5 nil. so long as they've put in an effort and put in a battle for, for the game I don't think they're too concerned about obviously they're concerned about results because they're footballers and they want to win every game but I don't think they've got the pressure on them of expecting to pick up points from these kind of games so they can play with the shackles off somewhat and I think that's what Parker's brought to it he's, rele- he's released those shackles that Ranieri might have put on the side Definitely just before I ask your verdict uh, just about Liverpool they come into the game on the back of a fantastic Champions League win over Bayern Munich and they will go top of the Premier League with victory over Fulham how do you see the title race panning out between them and City? Yeah I think it's going to go right down to the wire you know, I, I've, I've enjoyed seeing Liverpool battling at the top of the Premier League a lot of people for whatever reason don't want to see them win the league you know there's that whole thing on social media and stuff like that but I would I, I'd quite like to see I mean they've never won the Premier League or the title in my lifetime so I'd quite enjoy to see someone else win it and see Liverpool win it again but I think it's going to go right down to the wire I think there's still a couple of twists and turns between now and the end of the season with Liverpool and Man City especially with the Champions League that Champions League draw is going to be interesting so see how that pans out and I think the way, the way the two sides go in the Champions League is going to have such bearing on the Premier League. I agree. Just a final one then. Your verdict for Sunday's match, can Fulham pull off a shock, stop Liverpool's title march, or do you think the, the points will be coming back to Merseyside? No, I think the points are coming back to Anfield, to be honest. I think it's a good chance for, for Liverpool to put up some, you know, get get their goal difference moving a bit more again. I think Fulham will put up a good fight, but, I, you know, would that front three at Liverpool have and Fulham's defence? 3-1 maybe, I think I'll go with Liverpool. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.